First and Now is the official BC Lions podcast. Pleasure to be back. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski, a virtual today, the virtual GoGoat Sports Studios. Shout out, as always, to our pals at Sakaris and Price. We'll be doing uh, some heavy Lions content this week. It's a big one. Concert kickoff Saturday, Edmonton in town. A chance to go four points up on the Elks. Nick will recap the other games uh, of week one. Before we're finished here, uh, we have a quick intro before we welcome in a special guest to this episode. But Nick, uh, you got the Calgary uh, experience again out of our system here and all kinds of great content coming out of a solid win. Not perfect, but they rarely are. Pretty good vibe after week one. Yeah, exactly. The team knows that there are some things they could fix from that win, but it was a win. It was a pretty... I think the score uh, flattered Calgary a little bit when it was only a 10-point victory because for really from the get-go, right, the, the Vernon Adams offense was in control uh, leading that opening touchdown drive. Uh, the defense, I mean, through the air, they did a fantastic job. I look at a guy like Gary Peters, again, who had multiple pass breakups, really set the tone early um, when it came to Calgary's receivers against our DBs, and it, it was it was a good win. It's it's not easy to win at McMahon Stadium, so to get that off, to scratch that one off the, the, the list early on week one, it nothing but good things yeah big divisional opportunity right off the bat and and a leg up in the head-to-head tie break again that's what it's what allowed us to host last year right Uh, both teams 12 and 6 win two out of three and we're done with mcmahon stadium in the regular season um two visits uh here by calgary in july and then i believe september sorry october they'll be here to wrap up the season so start with calgary finish with calgary and another one in late July in between. But um, talking about Vernon Adams Jr., um, yeah, kind of a funny start to that game. I mean, Calgary gets a big return. So they think, okay, here we go again, special teams. But they get it into field goal range. Uh, and the first of two misses by Rene Paredes. Uh, don't usually see that too often. Terry Williams, a bit of a delayed decision, decides to run it out. Only gets to the 15, but... No problem. Eight, nine plays. Uh, Vernon Adams, perfect nine of nine on that drive. Uh, in fact, uh, he's now at 300 passing yards, a little bit of an adjustment. He's going to get credit for one more completion. Um, but pretty steady as far as VA goes. Yeah, and another guy who picked up where he left off was Dominic Grimes, finding the end zone twice, uh, using his size to to win balls and catch balls over the middle too of what you saw pretty much throughout the whole game and then he got a guy like Alex Hollins too who was pretty much from when he got into the lineup last year in Toronto was just fit in perfectly into this offense um I know he's a uh, kind of he's he's a pretty easygoing guy and you can tell like before games like they're the receiver room especially is a loose group there we've talked about how tight this group is but they're very loose too and they're confident in their abilities and you look I think a guy like Alex Hollins really showed that too from the first drive that he can contribute on this offense. Terry Williams got involved in the offense too, a couple of catches when Lucky Whitehead yeah. had to miss a couple of series. So it's a lot of options, like we said, in this offense. And then Taquan Mazel too, 81 rushing yards from his first carry too, make, made Mike, Mike uh, Alway miss on his first carry and really looked mm-hmm. good uh, carrying the rock all game. Yep, uh, Mizell, uh, the smoke, he had a big run uh, on the last offensive drive of the game to help put it away. Justin McKinnis, uh, leaping catch on another second and long. So when they needed a plays uh, to shut it down, uh, it did work. And the defense, no touchdowns allowed until just almost the three-minute warning of the game, right? 
Um, you know, VA's one little miscue. I don't think you can even blame him for that, but 100%. But uh, the interception to Cameron Judge, but the defense holds him to three. And overall, both sides of the ball doing what they had to do to get it done. So the Lions want to know to start. Edmonton coming in here Saturday, uh, all kinds of events this week that we'll talk about. Uh, the backyard party Friday, four o'clock, Saturday at 11, outside on Robson. Uh, the TSN panel going to be broadcasting on Friday and Saturday. The Friday portion, including a uh, viewing party for Friday Night Football, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. That's going to be a nice little cool addition. Kind of give it a, a Great Cup Festival type feel almost, Nikki. Oh, for sure. And with the panel here, too, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Really going to be a big festival this whole weekend. And it's obviously going to end with the the Lions and the Elks game right after an LL Cool J performance, which is just another thing that's happening this weekend that's going to be really exciting. And yeah, like we really saw it last year in week one where the BC fans came out in, in big amounts, right? In that week one yeah. victory, like the street party was crazy in that, in, on that Saturday, pretty much. It was a year ago yesterday, right? June 11th. Um, and yeah, expecting the same here. It's, it's, it's going to be a great weekend. Um, yes, and we're going to talk to Kate Burness, host of the panel. She'll be out here along with uh, Matt Dunnigan and Davis Sanchez and uh, Milt Stiegel, the touchdown beagle, uh, one of your Winnipeg uh, friends. Love Milt. I love the entire panel and, and uh, good on the organization uh, for making that happen. Uh, the Saturday part, they will move inside. We're going to talk to Kate Bernessa from TSN here in just a minute. But before we do, Nick, I had to ask quickly, we're talking LL Cool J. You've been uh, adding to your playlist. You've been all LL Cool J these last couple of weeks. What's going on? Oh, definitely a little bit. You, you brought me on to Headsprung. Um, I'm bad. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of these more upbeat songs because we have the privilege to actually use this music uh, for yes. our social content. So, yeah, definitely been looking at the more upbeat uh, tracks from LL. And if anybody has any suggestions even that i just didn't name there for more of the more upbeat kind of more hip-hop style rather than the r&b style the r&b style is a little different it's not really meant for football right, right? but for a football edit but like the but it's, it's still good music obviously but the, the hip-hop stuff the, the more upbeat stuff i'm looking for tracks to do some edits to after this game but yeah how about yourself yeah, um, I've, like I said, it's a bit more my era than yours, so to speak. So head sprung, yeah, uh, reminds me of my clubbing days, if I can say that. <laughs> uh, phenomenon, uh, Mama said knock you out, yeah. how can you forget? Doing it, if you're in the kind of a more, I don't know, romantic mood, I don't know. I hope you yeah, that's that the word, one. romantic, yeah. Yeah, that's the word. But um, it's going to be great. I mean, jokes aside, get your tickets while you can. I mean, uh, as of this recording on a Monday, uh, the lower bowl, not just just about gone less than a thousand when we made the announcement last Tuesday that we're opening it up so you can get into the upper bowl starting at 25 kids 17 and under uh, for ten dollars accompanying parents slash adults can join them for 20 uh, you won't find a better pro sports ticket deal in town bclions.com 604-589-ROAR be there Saturday in a moment, Kate Burdess from TSN will talk about the panel's visit and we get Kate's overall thoughts uh, on week one as well as she was following it all. That's coming up next on First and Now. And off to Toronto we go right now. Uh, Kate Burdess, uh, host of the CFL on TSN panel, amongst other duties there at the network. And uh, she's joining us here on First and Now. Kate, uh, first off, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? 
Uh, I'm doing awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Nick, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited for the hype around BC these days, to say the least. Yeah, let's talk about that first and foremost. Um, yeah, how exciting was it to, to get the word that you and uh, the guys were coming out here for a couple of days? To be quite honest, I think the only road trips we really take these days are to Hamilton. So I was like <laughs> ecstatic when I heard that we were coming west. And obviously, you know, to produce our killer show in, in different stadiums is not a small task by by any means. So I know that when uh, our management kind of got together with the BC Lions and they came up with this idea, we were all ecstatic. I, I literally heard of the idea and I immediately texted my executive producer, Paul, and, and I was like, yes, like, yes to BC. Let's go see this. And I think for us sitting in studio last year, watching one rook perform at the opener and just, and then obviously the crowd that you guys had as well for the Western semifinal against the Stamps. I mean, it just, it looks like something that we haven't seen in so long in BC. And I think when we found out last week that we were coming, it, every single one of us had the exact same reaction. And that's what we can't wait. Yeah. Do you, um, I think we're about the same sort of era music wise. I mean, do you have any favorite LL Cool J songs? Well, by the way, Milt Spiegel and Davis Sanchez are more of the LL yeah. Cool J era because I think Spiegel was telling me like he was coming out of high school in 1980. I was born in 1984, so I'm not going to date myself right. on this podcast. And but of course, growing up, and it's funny, I actually knew LL Cool J, LL cool J more as an actor, I think, than, a, yeah. than an artist. But my mud knock you out has to be like one of my favorites. So I mean, that's going to be the one that I think is going to bring the house down. But I don't know. I think he's. I've heard he's amazing live in a forty-five minute pregame, and we'll be rocking to it for sure. Yeah. Full disclosure, I'm in '84 as well. And Nick's a lot younger, but yeah, Chez and, um, and Milt. Nick's, Nick's like '98. Yeah. He looks like. But Chez and Milt, one, it's way more. Off, yeah. it's, it's way more those guys' era than ours. Yeah. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Hamilton and Grey Cups pretty much would be the road trips. I mean, uh, is this something you'd like to do more of as the season goes on? Maybe this will become an annual tradition. I'm not I'm not lying when I say this. I believe that we should go on the road to every single home stadium throughout the year. I think it's uh, I think it's so cool to to feature all these stadiums like and BC is such a wonderful example because like I remember it pre-pandemic and and let's be honest here, it wasn't great. And there were a lot of years where there were a lot of fans there and not a lot of hype and not a lot of excitement. And seeing what can happen, and I mean, I have to give so much credit to Amar Dolman and, and what he's done with this franchise. But it makes me believe as, yes, a broadcaster of the CFL, but first and foremost, a fan of the CFL, that this league could be okay if, if certain things happen. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing this and being able to bring, you know, the audience to BC and show them what's going on pregame. I mean, we're going to be outside on the Friday. We're going to be indoors on the Saturday. If we went around and we showed every single stadium and what was happening, I think it, I think it would help big time. So, yes, to answer your question, Matt, I truly hope that everyone sees this on Saturday and says, oh, we would like the panel there as well, and that teams work with us to make it happen, because I think that was the coolest thing. And selfishly, I like to get out of studio as well. I mean, I'm very, you know, contained to the studio. So let's go meet the people. Yeah, and exactly. And being a week in the books now, we saw Edmonton yesterday, the 30-plus thousand fans there. Montreal looked to hop in, too, with Our Lady Peace at the halftime show. Like, is, is, is it exciting to see all these different markets now, have all these different festivities going around the football games? 
Absolutely. And I think the great part is too, it shows you, it just isn't special events, right? Like we always know like the banjo bowl and like, obviously, you know, all these big events, touchdown Atlantic. And that was such a success last year. Actually, we are going out to touchdown Atlantic again this year. So I shouldn't awesome. say this is the only road trip and obviously the hall of fame game, but um, I think seeing the excitement um, around these events and especially when we're there, uh, it, it, it's awesome. And I think, you know, when I look back on this past weekend, get, Winnipeg's pretty much a guarantee every time they're going to IG field rocking. Um, obviously, SAS hasn't had their whole opener. The only one that I would say that I was a little disappointed in was with, with Calgary. And I would say other than that, for Commonwealth, for those fans, you know, to show up, you had a home win since October 2019, and you've got this guaranteed ticket initiative, which I absolutely love. And I, I think they're trying. I really do. And I think the Elks are better this year. But, you know, and I are a day in time when Commonwealth was packed. So, again, I think it, it's all there. There's all the potential. It's just a matter of, you know, getting bummed into seats sometimes and seeing, you know, what a great, great sport and production this can be. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Elks are coming to town this weekend on Saturday. We watched them yesterday. What was your takeaways from, from Edmonton's performance against Saskatchewan? Gino Lewis earned his paycheck yesterday. I think we can all agree with that. 102 yards play. I mean, it was ridiculous. I think the Elks are better. I really do. I mean, we were concerned about they have two rookie DBs there who are actually okay off the beginning. There was a couple, you know, touching spots, but I think they've poured so much money into this offense. And Taylor Cornelius is surrounded, you know, by a lot of a lot of great talent. Concern right now, I think, if anyone watched that game, would be the offensive line. I mean, the fact that your first and goal was minutes to go in the game and you go 0 for 3, I mean, that's just, it's not acceptable, to be quite honest. You got three shots. And I mean, credit to SAS defense, I should say that too, because Ryder fans will be all over me. But I, I just think, you know, that was one for the taking, in my opinion. So that's a tough one. But at the same time, I truly do believe that, that this is a much better Elks team this year. Yeah, I think the, you can make a case that everyone uh, in the division improved in some areas. But um, what about some other takeaways from week one? I know uh, we had the opener Thursday night in Calgary. Um, what would uh, you take away from that game overall? Oh, I was actually a little surprised with the stamps, to be quite honest with you. I, I think all of us going in and watching Kadeem Carey run the ball last year, we thought he'd he'd have a much, mm-hmm. much bigger performance. But again, too, I mean, it's week one. I don't like to put a ton into these, I mean, we've seen teams start absolutely terribly and then, you know, make runs to the top. So, except for the Bombers. We always expect the Bombers to be perfect in Zach Kalaros play like he did against uh, against the Tiger Cats. We just expect that at this point. Um, but in that game, a few things stood out for me. Uh, I'm overly familiar with the Lions' new running back, Saquon Mazel, I believe his name is, obviously replacing Butler. He looked really great off the hop. And I thought, honestly, they did a really nice job. I mean, he just had a really, I mean, they started off with a bang and then they had a bit of a lull and then they were able to pull off the game. But I think, you know, to lend the shoes of, of Nathan Rourke is not an easy thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys had the most excited, one of the most exciting seasons I think I've ever seen, um, you know, in my life of watching TVFL with Nathan there. So I think to step in is really, really tough. I just really loved VA's composure. You know, I love... I've always really enjoyed watching him play. He's an exciting guy yeah. with his legs. And I think once he gets to find a little more chemistry with Lucky and, and everyone, it's going to be, I think, I think you guys are set up quite well, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm talking like you guys play on the team too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you mentioned Nathan Rourke uh, certainly energized uh, this market in a way we hadn't seen. And uh, hopefully it gets people interested still to come in and see what the team is capable of. Um, year three, I think it is for you, Kate, hosting the panel. Uh, overall, how much are you enjoying the CFL family? Is it three already? I'm losing track of time these days. Um, you know what? I, I love the CFL family, and that goes just beyond our crew at TSN. I obviously at TSN, I've been there 14 years now, and I've had the privilege of covering some pretty neat stuff. I would say the CFL to me is the most unique league I cover. And there's something about it that is unlike other leagues. And I think the biggest thing is, as I always say to people, is it's accessible. And, you know, the players want to talk to you. Not that like all players in other leagues don't want to talk to you, but there is this level of it of just like a family. And it's always been that way. And when I grew up, my dad had season tickets to the Argos. I got to watch, you know, guys like Doug Flutie and the Rocket Ishmael play. And I think to myself, you know, what a privilege that this league is still going on and still accessible to the fans and the fan bases. And uh, and we have a blast. And I think, you know, say what you want about our panel. Maybe we're not as serious as people <laughs> want us to be all the time, and I get that. But at the same time, first of all, we'll break down football for you. That's, of course, a no-brainer. But at the same time, we just – we really love being there, and we love what we cover. And I hope hope that translates in some way. Um, so sorry if you want like a really serious broadcast because you're not going to get it from us. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask about, I'm just curious, and it's it's a I think it's a new wrinkle you guys introduced two or three years ago now, maybe two years ago. But when after the three minute warning, it, it, there's a shot that cuts to you guys, and you guys always have a different kind of act going on. Like who? How, how does that? Who, where do the ideas come from? For because you have to do it every single game, right? And it's. It's impressive all the different ideas you guys come I up with. I appreciate that. And I'm not going to take all credit here, but I'm going to take 95% of credit. So normally like something will happen. And here's the thing with a three minute warning. You only have like, I think it's 20 seconds. Like it's really, really quick. Right. And a lot of the time I'll say to the guys, or they'll come up with something. And like the other night, like Jim, Jim Barker was on the panel and I was like, coach, just like tap your ring. And I'm like, Oh, and Jim Barker's going to tell you how many diamonds he has in his ring. So it's like you think of these things on the fly. And sometimes I just try to keep them serious, but I honestly don't think those are entertaining at all. And we're trying to sell why you should come watch us at halftime because you can go do other things. So I don't know. It's uh, I will say sometimes, though, it's a lot of pressure. Like I'm like 90 seconds there. I'm like, yeah. I have nothing. So I'll look at Stiegel and I'll be like, you take this one. Or like Davis. And I'll be like, you got this? So they're great. You know the greatest part about the panelists are? They play along with anything. Like it is... You know, I just, I watch panels sometimes and I mean, we would probably say we're closest to like a TNT panel where it's just like, we are totally game for anything. For sure. Yeah. And it's definitely entertaining too. Is there, is there a favorite one that you have that you can, you think off the oh, top of your head? Or like a, a one time that we, the, the three minute intro. Well, I think like if it's, um, I don't know. I like anything athletic wise against Milt. I, there's this one where we were training with a band and sometimes we're just offset, just stretching or something. I mean, we love playing sports still. And like, I think he was just, we were just chasing each other around the set one time or anytime that has like a football involved and I can make like a one handed catch. I'm like, all right, this is going well. But uh, Dave Naylor too, he's broken out the guitar a couple times and that's so impressive that he can do that on national TV. So I'm going to go with those ones. Yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen the guitar routine before for sure. But yeah, it, it could totally, um, totally tell you guys have fun with it. And, um, 
it's great that we're that we're able to host you uh, in a home opener type situation. Uh, you've been to Vancouver before, obviously, Cade. What other events have you done here? Would you have done any Raptors exhibition or hockey in the past? Surprisingly, I've never been sent for Raptors exhibition. I'd love to. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I uh, The only sporting event that I've actually ever covered in Vancouver was the last Grey Cup that you held. So that was the last time yeah. I was actually uh, present in the stadium, I would say. And... I, I've actually never been in Calgary was playing in that one. I remember that, but uh, I've never, I haven't been to a BC lions game and I'm going to say 12, 14 years. So this for me, I wasn't covering the league. I probably just had started at TSN. So it's going to be awesome. And you know how I know what's amazing is that I have uh, my best friend is in Vancouver, which is great. I was just out there two weeks ago and uh, she actually, she was like, hey, like, I'm going to come, but I'm having a hard time getting lower bowl tickets. And I can't even tell you, like, normally I'd be like, ah, you're like, whatever, <laughs> come get a ticket. And that made me so happy. I know that sounds bad that she couldn't get tickets, but that, mm-hmm. that just shows you, you know, how many people that, that this is currently reaching. So I felt that was really cool. Awesome. That's, uh, that's great. And yeah, Calgary Hamilton 2014. Yes. That was a, that was a. That came down to the wire, right? That was the Brandon Banks almost return. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I've been to five or six great cups and every one of them has had a crazy ending, it's, like, like including you, last year, two block field goals. Yeah. Now, even when I go to the States, that's how I said, watch the gray cup, you know, even, okay, yeah. and then let's like last year's was just not the prettiest football I've ever seen in my whole life, but that was the most entertaining no. fourth quarter. We couldn't even believe it on the set. So I love it when I go down to the States, I'm like, you guys got to watch the Grey Cup. And then they do, and they're like, my God, that was entertaining. Yeah, rarely, you rarely have a have a dud Grey Cup. That's a good point. And last year's was, uh, was indeed a good finish. Uh, listen, this was great to have you on, Kate. Uh, it's great that you guys are coming. Oh, well, again, we'll, we'll be there Friday, Saturday. We'll... We'll come say hi at uh, four o'clock and we'll have a viewing party for Saskatchewan, Winnipeg. And then, then you're inside. Like I said, it'll feel like a great cup environment because you'll be inside uh, at field level. And we look forward to hosting you. Thanks for taking the time here. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you, Kate. First and now is the official Lions podcast. Uh, thanks to Kate Burness. Uh, that was excellent. Uh, does a great job on the on the panel and looking forward to seeing them out this week. Uh, Milt Stiegel, Matt Dunnigan, and uh, Davis Sanchez, fellow North Delta product like myself, will be out here. Four o'clock Friday, Saturday, uh, pretty much inside uh, for the coverage. So excellent initiative just Add it all up this week, Nick, all the cool things going on. Oh, for sure. And it, it makes a ton of sense that they would come out to this big event. Um, I'm sure that there's, that's going to be an additional buzz around this whole weekend is that the panel's going to be here live on site. And yeah, just excited to to really get this going for, for this weekend. Yeah, and, you know, talking about it again gives it kind of a bigger game feel, a Grey Cup feel. And like we talked about with Kate, maybe potentially uh, set a precedent for doing something at some team's home openers every year. Uh, We're talking about week two, of course, Lions and Elks. I hit on it off the top early, but a chance to go four points up on Edmonton two games in would be a huge advantage. It's one game at a time, obviously, but we're going to go around the league. And uh, since we're talking about the Elks first, We'll go backwards. Uh, Edmonton, the streak continues. What is it now, Nikki? 18 straight 
losses at home dating back to the end of 2019. Um, Kate talked about it. They had three chances to punch it in late, take a lead. There would have been a lot of time left still, but Taylor Cornelius and company ultimately cannot get the job done. Yeah, unfortunately, and that's what we were kind of talking about is eventually you just got to make it happen. You got to execute, right? And that, that goal line stand is literally on a platter for you to take the lead late in the game and they can't punch it in, unfortunately. But even we talked about the weapons that with Kate uh, that Edmonton has with Gino Lewis, Stephen Dunbar, uh, Manny Arsenal still still a good player and starting for the Elks, but um, getting they just got to find a way to get them the ball, right? And I, I know RP and our defense are going to be game planning for that, and they know that Gino can, with one play, make a 100-yard touchdown like he did last week. So that's something you definitely got to watch out for. They, they have that big play potential, even our running back, I think, too, with Kevin Brown, right? He's a little speedster mm-hmm. that can break out. So um, although they didn't put up a lot of points last week, I, I know RP and the defense, they know it's going to be a big challenge going against these big-bodied receivers, Um and a little speedster running back too, so it's 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 not going to be an easy one this week. No, um, you know I we talked about them improving on offense, like you said, and um, you know Taylor Cornelius may not have had a game he wanted to play, but you know he has a leg up. You'd think last year, and they're going to be well coached. Chris Jones and his staff, uh, another year together now, they've had it under their belt to sort of establish their new identity, new culture. There's that word again, culture. Used that a lot lately, but. Yeah, if, if if fans expect this Edmonton team uh, just to roll over and have it be a lopsided result like it was last year, uh, you're going to be sadly mistaken. I expect this to come down to the fourth quarter. Saturday was a, a good night. Uh, had the popcorn, had a couple beverages. I put the Ottawa-Montreal game on and not the Stanley Cup final. I PVR'd the Stanley Cup final. Not too into that final for some reason. I don't know. It's just it's gone on too long, all these two-day breaks between games. But um, kudos to the Alouettes. Uh, pretty much a full house, I think, right? That Molson Stadium looked like. And yeah. props to Edmonton for having 32,000. But uh, the Alouettes' defense feeding off that crowd, uh, they hold the Red Blacks to just four field goals, no touchdowns. Uh, Nick Arbuckle, speaking of guys trying to find their own way, couldn't get into the end zone, and uh, Montreal grinds out a 19-12 win with Cody Fajardo. Yeah, I would say similar to our game on Thursday. That was another one where it was only a seven-point victory, but it felt like Montreal was in control pretty much throughout the game. They, had, they started with a big opening drive, too. Cody Fajardo uh, hitting Mac, uh, their new, new uh, receiver they got out there for a big yep. gain, and then just Montreal struggled to move the ball on the ground, and then they let up probably too many sacks to their liking and that's kind of why the game kept close but yeah like you said Montreal's defense uh generating three interceptions off Nick Arbuckle really causing fits for Ottawa's offense all game long even like even Montreal secondary had some really clutch breakups um I look back to one and um Jalen Acklin dropped the touchdown in the end or in the back of the end zone that could have changed the game yeah. in the second quarter but um yeah, Montreal. The, the more I look at Montreal's roster, the more I think I'm. I think they're going to be more and more legit. And I'm. I'm, I'm not writing off Cody Fajardo yet by any means. Like like some have in the media, but I think Montreal again. It's, it's a tough place to play too. We figured that out last year, and it looked like it was on on Saturday too. Yeah, they got that one uh, persistent fan blowing the hor- the air horn behind the bench all game. Uh, really comes through on TV. So uh, Montreal is one and zero. That East Division, it's up for grabs uh, because mainly the Hamilton Tiger Cats dropped their first game 
uh, Winnipeg not looking like uh, they're having any Grey Cup hangover. Uh, you know, they say sometimes the team that loses it has a bit of a hangover to start, but Winnipeg comes out firing on all cylinders. Uh, Zach Kalaros, 354 yards, the three touchdowns. Uh, the usual suspects, right? Brady Oliveira goes over 100. Uh, Nick Dembski, uh, 113, and a touchdown early to help set the tone. Hamilton's offense really couldn't get going. It was the special teams that gave him a chance in the end, but then ultimately the defense couldn't keep uh, Winnipeg off the field either. But uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers looking just as impressive one game, but 42-31. Yeah, bizarre, bizarre football game. It was 32-4 to at one point, and then, yeah, like uh, all these fumbles and block punts later. Hamilton has a legitimate chance at actually tying the game up late, which was pretty crazy. But, yeah, yeah, you're watching that game, and you're thinking Winnipeg comes out touchdown, touchdown, touchdown on offense, and you're thinking, like, oh, boy, here we go again. And, like, I, I brought this, the Carlton Agaduzzi. He's healthy now. He's this big six six receiver that Winnipeg has. If Winnipeg doesn't already have enough receivers that can make plays or big, long, uh, athletic players that can make plays, right? But Hamilton did figure it out later in the second half. They they're moving the ball through the air in chunks. Um, James Butler finding the end zone, two off one of those turnovers. So, I mean, if there's any... Anything to look at for Winnipeg, they, they made some uncharacteristic mistakes in terms of those turnovers and allowing those chunk plays later in the game. So while they did start really hot, maybe they let their foot off the gas a little bit, but they, yeah, they still look pretty dominant, at least from when it mattered at the, at the beginning of the game. Yep, so they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And yeah, you're, you're talking about uh, the receiver that came through, Adusky. You know, no Kenny Lawler, right? So at least for a couple of weeks, there's there's an opportunity for for someone to step up uh, looking ahead to this week. Again, we've talked about the main event lions and elks, but uh, the speaking of the bombers, they go into Saskatchewan on Friday. Again, if you're at our backyard party presented by play now, uh, they'll be showing that on the plaza six o'clock kickoff first game of the week, Calgary in Ottawa. So both those teams looking for a first win, uh, another Thursday game for the Stampeders. Going into our nation's capital, we'll see if Jake Mayer and company are, are able to right the ship after struggling to put up yards and points against us. Final game of the week, uh, finally, the defending Grey Cup champion Argonauts. Funny, they get the week one bye, and then they're the last team to play in week two. So they'll be raising the banner at BMO Field, Argos and Ticats. So a couple of traditional rivalry matchups, early Labor Day weekend matchups going down in week two. Love this. Argos and Tigers. I'm loving all. Yeah, I'm loving all four games this week. Yeah, Calgary Ottawa seems like a game where it's really going to be telling in terms of one team's going to drop to zero and two. These are two teams that didn't really have the best performances last week and are definitely going to want to rebound and show that they can be a competitive team in this league this year. And then yeah, Friday night you got the 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 Prairie Battle, the Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. Those seem to be always low scoring physical games. You know, those teams don't like each other so. I'm looking forward to see if Sacks can pull off the upset there and see if Winnipeg can keep chugging along. And then, obviously, I'd say we're the main event on Saturday this week. But Oh, um, yeah. Maybe, might be a little biased there. And, yeah, Chad Kelly's first start on, on Sunday or this That's season. Right. There goes defending their title, right? And see if Bo Levi Mitchell can bounce back. So I think they're still, like Kate said earlier, they, you can't take away too much from last week. Uh, kind of, especially a team like Hamilton that has what like a dozen new starters throughout their roster. Yeah, maybe it might take a week or two to get going and gel together um, on on in game action. But I know like Hamilton, Calgary, and Ottawa are some teams I'm going to look at. Teams that dropped games last week to see if they can bounce back and um, get back up that that power ranking list. 
Yep, week two, but already plenty of great storylines to chew on. LL Cool J, 3 o'clock. Your game ticket is your concert ticket. Be there. The Trues will be outside earlier. The Backyard Party Saturday. Famous Players Band on the Friday. And like we say, the Viewing Party, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Thanks again uh, to Kate Burness for joining us. Thanks uh, to you, the listener. Subscribe, rate, leave a review. Tell your friends. Uh, we'll be back. BC Lions on tap radio show with Moj on AM 730 Tuesday night at the Shark Club downtown. Guest to be determined. We got content for days, folks. Love it. And we appreciate you uh, listening and subscribing. Go Lions. Nick, eat your vegetables this week. Time. Eat your vegetables this week. It's going to be a busy one. I always do. Okay. First and now, back next week. <laughs>